action. Welcome to Taunt Stubbs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. Moonlight is a 2017 movie directed by Barry Jenkins, no relation to Patty Jenkins, and is the tale of a young man called Chiron dealing with issues surrounding his sexuality and his identity. Told in three parts, we see his experiences with a drug addict mother, school bullies, a close relationship with a friend, and eventually the effects of those experiences on his later life. Wow, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there really is. So it starts off with someone like, I think, tuning in the radio or something, and this song is playing, and it's the lyrics are just so profound and so positive, but in a really negative way. Right. So I'm not going to say the word. I can't say the word. Yeah, we can, you can say N-word. every N word is a star, which yeah. is such a positive message by Boris Gardner. Just yeah, and yeah. and if only the kid in the film had heard it, <laughs> it would instill him with so much confidence. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's just this kind of like shy, withdrawn, kind of uh, like nothing, nothing really. So he's just he's just kind of like bullied and doesn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seemingly there's nothing unique about him. Mm. He's just a kid who's being bullied. Just a young kid being bullied. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, you're not really sure at first what is going on when this this guy finds him in this kind of deserted, rundown house. You know, yeah. Abandoned house. Yeah. So he's hiding from the bullies. Um, and he's is he called Joanne or, or Juan? Juan. Juan. I think it's Juan. Juan. Yeah. Um, so he finds him and he becomes kind of like a surrogate father figure to him. Yeah. Were we meant to identify with Blue? Were we meant to like him? Wait, who's Blue? Blue is Juan. He, he oh, was right. also referred to as Blue. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I found him really interesting as a character because he's this kind of this big guy. this like big mus- masculine kind of drug dealer. Yeah. Um, so you, you immediately have certain ideas about him. And he's actually introduced before anybody else in the film. He's the guy listening to the song on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of, when you first meet him, you're like, oh, he's up to no good. He's going to be a, a scoundrel. Um, <laughs> and then, so class. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, he turns out to be quite an open-minded, forward-thinking kind of guy. Like yeah. there's, there's this lovely um, little scene where uh, Chiron, he's called Little when he's a kid. They refer to him as Little. And he asks Blue what the word faggot means. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you expect Blue to kind of blow up and say, why do you know that word? And like, yeah. what are you talking about? And You ain't get, no faggot. Yeah, get all this aggressive, uh, get aggressive about it. But actually he says, that's a word that some people use to make gay people feel bad. Yeah. And it's just this like, it just kind of knocks you off off center and you just it's like a, a, one of the first really great surprising moments in the film where you realize you can't judge everybody by the way they come across at first yeah and um that scene is just beautiful because it's just such a, a in that in the heart of this really quite troubling stuff that's going on where there's you know little is being bullied he's got a mother who's just basically absent if not abusive in in her mm. absence and kind of drug addict and all this stuff and then suddenly there's, there's this kind of glimmer of hope that 
actually little may be all right um because of this this blue and his his girlfriend Teresa are there instead but then Chiron turns his back on him when he says are you a drug dealer and he's yeah. like yeah i am yeah and he he realizes that he must be selling drugs to his, to his mum yeah and he just walks out and that's the end of that section yeah it's really sad because it's it's not there's no easy answers there's, it's very um it's just really emotional and, and all the emotions are very close to the surface and mm. yeah okay so blue may be all right with somebody being gay but that doesn't mean that little has to be all right that he's selling drugs to his mum yeah. like it's not it's not a kind of a an even-handed handshake or whatever that phrase is yeah it's um one one thing doesn't cancel out something else yeah um yeah it's just really it's really sad and Naomi Harris is just fantastic in this film. Like, and she shot herself over three days, apparently. Yeah, and I think it was while she was doing uh, Spectre. Press, or press Sky, for Spectre. Doing Press for yeah. Spectre. So she was flying all over the world promoting this stupid James Bond film <laughs> while going going and shooting this really quite heart-hitting and troubling role as a drug addict's mother. And she is, a, she is phenomenal. Oh, God. She, I don't know if she won awards. I mean, I don't really give a shit about awards. But that is the sort of role that you would expect the awards to quickly follow. Yeah. Did it? Did she actually get nominated for this film? I'm not sure that she did, actually. Did I have a quick Google. All right, I'm going to Google Have a it. quick Google. All right. Yeah, she got nominated for the Best Supporting Actress. So she did at the get, Oscars. At the Oscars. So she did get that recognition. Who should she lose out to? Oh, I don't know. 2017. Who would that have been? So that was last year. So who won last year? I, I don't really keep up with these things, I'm afraid. So the best supporting actress winner. Oh, so she lost out to Viola Davis and Fences. Ah, okay. So I've been standing here with you. <laughs> God, that year was amazing. That, that was, was that year. Was that was amazing. the year after the Oscars. So why wasn't it? So that was yeah. In that year, Viola Davis, Naomi Harris, and Octavia Spencer were all nominated for best supporting and actress. Like best and like, picture. After a little confusion. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it's slight coincidence that all these. Um, films surrounding the black community came out after the Oscars so white and then they would win the year after I think it's coincidence that they were released the mm. year after because you can't just quickly make <laughs> these movies quickly let's make them and get them out before next year Yeah, they they all deserve you know the awards I think awards are bullshit but you know they're amazing amazing films and Viola Davis such an amazing performance mm. in Fences I've not seen that one um as a film, it's odd because it, it feels like a stage play right, that well, takes was. place in this street Yeah, because um, it was a, a stage play. But she is fantastic in it. But back to this film. Um, the fact that she did her, Naomi Harris did her, her role in three days is it's amazing because she portrays th- the same character at three points over about 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Um, and aside from a really dodgy wig in the third part... Mm. She, she, her physicality is 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 amazing, and her her remorse in the third part is heartbreaking because she knows she has completely fucked up her son's life, and she's living with that guilt. And she finally says sorry, and you just feel the weight of all those years in that exchange. But what a what a horrible life, and what a horrible burden to carry with you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and you you see her steadily getting worse and worse 
and like you said the physicality of the role i i think the first the point where i realized she was actually an amazing performer was when she's sitting on the sofa and then she kind of like drags herself upstairs kind of back bent over and it's such a it is such a physical she embodies that woman completely and it's horrific and mesmerizing (laughs) horrific and mesmerizing (laughs) josh winning five stars josh (laughs) (laughs) there's a real calmness over the whole film which is at such odds with the horrendous things that we're seeing it's they keep they keep going back at points in the film to to near the sea. I don't know where it takes place, but it takes place on the coast. But there's this constant, just gentle sounds of the waves lapping up the beach. And the whole film has that kind of calmness to it, even in the most horrific moments. It's it's quite a an in, an intense balancing act, but it never I mean, they never feel at odds. They are at odds with each other, this calmness and this, you know, the aggression and and the horrendousness of his life. But they never feel jarring, do they? Yeah, the mood of the film is, I mean, some would say it's kind of seductive in in the sense that it just draws you in. Mm. Um, Some might say boring. I know know that a lot of people weren't huge fans of this film. it's slow it's like a gradual build it kind of it it it's looking into masculinity it's looking into black identity it's looking into sexual identity and those aren't things that people generally serve up kind of immediately without any qualms like this this film is about unraveling and uncovering those things and it does so in a very steady even way um to to the point where when you get to the end of the film you really feel like you've been on this journey with somebody. You feel like you know that person for all their complexities, for all their faults, for all their, their good points. By the end of this film, I felt like I knew uh, Chiron. Did you feel that the first time you saw it? I did, yeah. Because when I first saw it in the cinema, I just didn't, I didn't take it all in. I couldn't grasp it all. And I didn't think it was all that. And I walked away thinking, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'd ever want to watch that film again I, I wasn't engaged with it I just didn't I didn't really care hmm. I couldn't grasp that character because it is so it's so much in the eyes and 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 what you have to assume is going on behind the eyes and what's going on in his head because all three iterations of the character the main character little doesn't say much no even in the third part where he's like chatty chatty He's barely chatty at all, but he's more chatty than the other two parts. Yeah. See, it, it really relies on the on the audience member to be fully engaged and to just it, it just get it and just understand that this is a, a very slow reveal of who this character is. This character is revealed to us over 20 years. Mm. You know, we, we see him when he's about 9, 10, and he's about 30 when we when we leave him. Yeah. And in a weird way, he's become blue. He's become Juan. Yeah. He's a drug dealer. He's beefed up. He's got one of those funny bandanas on Mm. that's more like a swimming cap. (laughs) And he's driving a fancy car. Yeah. He's become the guy that he stepped away from. Yeah, because it's never that it's never that simple. You know, just Mm. because just because blue kind of was okay with him being gay, that that's a positive side to blue's personality but then the negative side is that he he showed 
Chiron that this is a way to, to make a life, this is a way to make a living yeah. as a drug dealer. So it's kind of like he was a role model both in a positive and a negative way that uh, maybe positively and negatively impacted Chiron's life. But it's, it's also deeper than that. I think Chiron sees it as, as a way of putting up a front. He knows that, you know, he can't show people the affection that he wants to show and he can't accept the affection in the way that he wants to accept it so he has to become this different person so in the third part when he's you know he's joking with his his drug employee that you 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 know you've shortchanged me and he's i'm just kidding with you Hmm. that's a completely different person to who then goes to see his the guy who wanked him up on the beach in the the cafe Hmm. he's like this he's like this kid again yeah he's put on this front he's got like the grill and he's got you know the the car and he's you know he's got the clothes and he's got the swagger but behind all that somewhere deep inside it's just this child who who wants to be loved and wants to love and he's he's you know he hasn't touched anyone since that night on the beach it's been 10 years let's say um 10 15 years something like that and he you know he's having to put this front up he can't be anyone until that moment when he's become that kid again yeah and that's what's really sweet about his relationship with kevin who's his friend is that the name of the guy yeah yeah so we see kevin from you know he's the same age as Mm. chiron so we see him at three different points of his life and the one thing that's consistent is that kevin always sees right through chiron he always knows exactly what he's thinking what he's feeling he always knows him more than chiron he does he knows him better than chiron and and that's quite a rare thing in life i think for people you know for someone like chiron to find somebody who for someone so young right yeah yeah because the kid's like i knew you weren't soft and all that kind of stuff yeah um yeah he just he just knows him inside out which is kind of really sweet and rare and, and lovely and that's that's what i think gives the film some positive you know a, a more hopeful yeah side but you don't know what's going to happen at the end you don't know that chiron can ever accept that there's somebody who knows him for who he is mm. um you know he goes back home with kevin and they they kind of cuddle or whatever <laughs> but, but they but, do it's just it's just for affection it's not yeah. for come back for a fuck it's yeah just hold me he was holding him in the same way that he held him on the beach he just had his arm around his shoulder and holding his head in that that way it's true exactly the same way yeah but can Sharon accept that and allow it to be part of his life we don't know we still don't know if that's something he can do i hope so i mean the last shot is quite it's quite telling the Mm. last shot is um the camera tracking towards Sharon as he was when we first met him Mm -hmm. as a as a as a kid as a 10 year old kid and his back's to the camera but the kid is looking out to the sea and then the kid looks around over his shoulder at someone above the camera that's quite a hopeful shot it's mm. I, I took it to mean that he now has self-awareness he now is able to face him he's, he's not turning away he's turning towards he's accepting who he is mm. is that too much do you think that's i mean you could read that you can yeah. definitely read it that way it's interesting so i took it away as, as being really hopeful like finally finally he's able to do what he wants to do he's able to be yeah. who he wants to be whether that's identifies gay or just acting away act in a way that you know isn't forced on him by his black community because you know the kids at school were were, they made kevin betray chiron by having kevin 
punch Chiron mm. a couple of times. There's a real peer pressure, and it's not just a school peer pressure. All communities do this. You know, people in charge of the Jewish community make, you know, certain people act in a certain way. Certain people in the gay community, you, you, you know, you, you, you have this pressure to act and be a certain way, and it's true in the black community as well. So maybe now Chiron can step away from all that bullshit and finally, age 30 or whatever, be his true authentic self. Yeah. How do you feel about um, non-gay filmmakers telling gay stories? Because this was a, a really big thing last year with a film called Beach Rats, which is about a, a kind of, I think he's about 18, 17 year old Brooklyn teenager yeah. who's struggling with his sexuality. Um, and he's, uh, and basically it was directed by a, as far as I know, she's a woman. I don't know if she's a straight woman or not, but she she chose to tell this story about a gay man's struggle with his identity and sexuality. And then Moonlight is directed by Barry Jenkins, who is a black straight, as far as I know. He's yeah. not gay. Director. He does identify as straight, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that the gay community can get so incredibly protective of their own representation in media. And they can get quite passionate, hmm. if not to say angry, um, about particular portrayals not not that come from outside their own community or our own community yeah. um they feel that that people outside the community can't shouldn't and shouldn't be allowed to tell our stories yeah absolutely but i'm i, I would be i would find it interesting to know so barry jenkins made this film it's based on a a play an unproduced play yeah. uh, by his friend um, who's called Terrell Alvin McCraney. And it's partly kind of... Barry, like Barry Jenkins grew up with a, a drug addict mother and he grew up in quite a, an impoverished community. So there are aspects of this story that he obviously drew from his own life. Um, but the, the big thing is about gay identity. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder... I wonder... I would love to know why he chose to tell that story and is it because he wanted to really put the idea of masculinity particularly within this kind of community under a microscope and really kind of think about what why they are the way they are and and is, is kind of is gay identity something that throws a kind of hyper masculinity into a particular relief you know i think when you're a storyteller whether you're a filmmaker or a novelist or whatever your your version of or your take on a particular subject is valid whether it's a successful version of a film is is something different mm. we, i mean next year we can we can cover beach rats because i think there's a lot to be said about what sort of film it tries to be and what sort of film it actually ends up being but in in moonlight i think it's valid for a straight guy to offer his opinion on the the issues that a, a either a gay guy or a guy may be struggling with his sexuality because he never says I'm gay. Mm. There's never a moment in this film where he, you know, the, the Oscar moment yeah. where someone's crying and says I'm gay. There's none. There's it just doesn't exist in this film. It's too subtle. It's too in the head. It's too. It's very. Very cerebral. This yeah. film, it's an, <clears throat> yeah, it's inward looking rather than outward. I think so. It's valid. It's a it's a valid film. Would it have been a different film had say 
and John Cameron Mitchell made it. Yeah. Would it be different if Gus Van Sant made it? Yeah. Are those films, would would those versions of the film have been more valid? I don't know. Mm. It's it's like Steven Spielberg making The Colour Purple. Yeah. What does Steven Spielberg, a middle class, at the time then, a very rich, powerful white man in Hollywood, what does he know about the black struggle a mm. hundred years before, or 80 years before that film was made? I suppose everyone in a certain to a certain degree can relate to struggle mm. so i guess that's the overlap with this and that's that's why all of the the gay narrative in moonlight feels authentic and and doesn't feel in any way like it's showing off or or kind of trying to make any particular kind of point but it's not the only point in the film yeah yeah because exactly. there's the masculinity yeah. there's the the idea of what a black youth should look like mm. act like feel like what he should do what um, he should wear, you know, what, what he why your wear. jeans so tight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so those things, everything feels equal. Mm. It's not suddenly like, this is an LGBT movie only. No, yeah. it's not. It's just one element of this, you know, it's one Lego brick in the whole film mm. that's equal to the amount of Lego bricks about the, the black thing and the youth thing and the, mas- the, 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 the how do you say the word? Masculinity. Mas- masculinity thing. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's it's all equal. So maybe just throw just throw this out there. If it was a gay filmmaker, maybe the gay thing would have been too much. Mm. Maybe the fact that Barry Jenkins, no relation to Patty Jenkins, is a straight man, he was able to go. Well, no, I can see that we need to bring the gay thing down a little bit and mm. and and equalize it with the the black thing, the the mass. <sighs> That word is impossible to say. Masculinity. Masculinity. <laughs> the masculinity thing. So the fact that it's quite an even film in, in its... Oh, they're starting upstairs. Hooray. The fact that it's an even thing in, in its um, its treatment of, of the themes. Mm. Maybe that's a good thing that was made by a straight guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, don't, I don't agree that people who aren't a certain thing can't write about other things. Like, I've written stories that have a female protagonist, you know, a female point of view yeah and i don't feel that i need to explain that or or argue why i should be allowed to write a female protagonist at all stephen king wrote dolores playboy yeah that's such an amazing um depiction of a woman in crisis yeah i just i find it interesting that the gay community can be quite sensitive about the fact that you know other people in inverted commas are telling our their stories yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting debate to have, I think. And it's not even the case of in in this that the Hollywood system said no, a straight man must tell this story. Yeah. this film was made outside of the Hollywood system for peanuts. Yeah, and ultimately, thank God these stories are actually being told. That's yeah. that's the main issue, I think. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me when when people hit the roof that um, Jared Leto played a trans character. Yeah, of course, Jared Leto is going to play a trans character because he's an, an actor. actor. Yeah, and he's got marquee value. And he so, was so what's better, amazing, the film gets made or the film doesn't get made? Yeah. It would be brilliant. I've seen, you know, trans characters played by trans actors and actresses and they've done amazingly well, but there is a business to be made. It is a business and films are made, are funded because of someone's name. That's true. But I do think that there is, um, I suppose in the independent filmmaking community, there is 
there is a sense of responsibility that they feel. So there's a film coming out this year called A Fantastic Woman, which is a Chilean drama about a transgender woman who, when her partner, when her male partner dies, um, she faces a, a barrage of prejudice from his family yeah. and various others. And they cast a, um, a transgender actress in the role. And that's brilliant because, mm. yes, people should be getting the opportunities that everybody else has. Um so I, in some ways, I'm glad that there is, I don't like the backlash. I think backlash is, is kind of white noise and just angry people wanting to be angry about something. Yeah. But, Trolls. Right. But the good thing about that is it does open up a conversation about why or why not certain people are given opportunities and what, and you know, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's like when people were angry that Archie and Glee was the actor who played Archie was not actually a guy in a wheelchair. It was a... Is Archie in the wheelchair? Was it Archie? Oh, in Glee. In Glee, yeah. I'm thinking... Um, Not in Riverdale. Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he gets up at one point, doesn't he? He and gets like... up and dances and he does a safety dance, yeah. Which is a, a Joss Whedon episode. Is it? Yeah, he directed that one. I had no idea. Yeah, good old Joss Whedon gets everywhere. This is not a melodrama. There's no, you know, there's no tear-stained... I'm sorry in the big hog and like, the, 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 you know, the music and the... the, the the violins swell up, the string music. It's 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 very quiet and subtle, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, when the music does when when the music does kick in, it's by a composer called Nicholas Brittell, and it's beautiful music. It really adds this great texture to the film. Um, but yeah, it's a very naturalistic, no showboating, um, which makes me, which I'm surprised that. The Oscars loved it so much because the Oscars love a bit of showboating. They do. It's like the anti-Oscars film. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great that they won Best Picture. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better and more deserving film for that that year. Yeah. La La Land did not need to win that Oscar. Fuck La La Land. And the great thing about a film like Moonlight getting the Oscar is that it suddenly is given a platform where um, an enormous film body in america is saying this is a film worthy of you watching yeah and therefore it's going to get more people watching it which so those stories get out there exactly yeah would you watch it again well i've watched it twice in the last year so i think i'm probably all right i'm set now for a bit yeah but if if there's somebody that i met who i thought might enjoy it and hadn't seen it yet i probably would sit and watch it with them it's not one for immediate repeat view and i would watch it again in a couple of years hmm it's not a comfort film. It's not like Back to the Future. It's not a comfort. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like some, It's not like a film you put on. Like, oh, I just want to have a, you know, a, a film I'm familiar with. Yeah. That you know hits some marks. It's 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 quite a film that you need to pay attention to and and invest yourself in. And it's grueling. It, yeah. It doesn't spare any of the the pain, emotional or physical. You know the the whole bit where. Kevin's having to beat up Sharon in, in the school grounds is really horrible. Um, so yeah, that's a reason I probably wouldn't watch it again for a bit. So that was Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins, no relation to Patty Jenkins. We want you to join the conversation. Tweet us your thoughts and your reviews and your film recommendations to at TornStubsPod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released the episode. And let's keep the conversation going. Come have a chat, give us some film recommendations, and please, please review us and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're off down the beach. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Cut! Cut.